Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we are going to preview Saturday's Kentucky-Florida football game at Kroger Field. It's a 730 kickoff on the SEC Network. Kentucky enters the game 5-0 and overall, 3-0 and in the SEC after last Saturday's 20-13 win over Florida. Uh, it was UK's first win over Florida in Lexington since 1986. It was UK's first win over a top 10 team. Florida was ranked number 10 since uh, 2010 when UK beat Steve Spurrier in South Carolina 31-28. The win vaulted UK to number 16 in the AP Top 25. And the Wildcats will be facing an LSU team that's coming off a 24-19 loss to Auburn last Saturday. LSU is 3-2 and overall and 1-1 one and one in the SEC. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, LSU coach Ed Orgeron and his job security, and we'll get into that with uh, Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU for the Advocate in Baton Rouge, and I'll also be talking with Josh Moore, our friend and colleague of the, at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com about uh, Kentucky football going into Saturday's game. But first, we chatted with Wilson Alexander of the Advocate in Baton Rouge. So let's get right to that, and that'll be followed by my conversation with Josh Moore of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU football for the Advocate newspaper in Baton Rouge. How you doing today, Wilson? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Kentucky, of course, plays LSU on Saturday here in Lexington. It's a 7.30 kickoff on the SEC Network. Uh, LSU, 3-2 and two overall, 1-1 one and one in the conference. Uh, law, took a 24-19 loss to, at home to Auburn last week. So I'm guessing the uh, LSU fan base is not real happy, and I'm guessing the LSU football team is not real happy uh, either. What What is the mood of the Tigers coming into Lexington on Saturday? Well, certainly within the fan base, there's a lot of unrest um, and, and frustration. They've seen ever since, you know, the one of probably possibly the best college football team that was ever or season that was ever completed, you know, in 2019, just since then they're, they're eight and seven. And so there's a lot of frustration uh, from a fan base that's used to at least being competitive. Um, and they're just not very competitive right now. Um, for the team itself, you can tell that there there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of, pent up emotion there as well. You know, they, they expect themselves to play better. Um, they know that they have a lot of issues that they have to get fixed and they, they want to show that they're better than what they put on tape. Um, but to this point, they have not looked very good. Um, so uh, a lot of, um, you know, hope that they can 
get things turned around starting this weekend against Kentucky and, and expectations certainly to do that within the fan base. What what do they have to do to turn it around? What What's not been working for them to this point? The primary issues right now are on offense, uh, which is almost a surprise because LSU played so poorly on defense last year. They came into the year worrying about the defense and the defense has played at least better than it did last year. But offensively right now, they're not clicking. Max Johnson, um, their sophomore quarterback, is really doing all he can keep them in the game um, with his with his arm, but they're just they're not able to run the football. And that's kind of where things start. Averaging seventy yards rushing a game, which is 128th in the country. Uh, not something you're used to seeing from LSU, which is, you know, used to be the school that ran the football and that was the backbone of the offense and it was, you know, there was clamor to throw the ball more. Well now there's clamor to throw the ball you know, run the ball more because they're just they aren't effective. That goes back to the offensive line, which has had a lot, whole lot of issues. And they're also just schematically, they're not really committing to the run um so they have some things to figure out there with first year uh offensive coordinator jake peets um it's just a really discombobulated on offense you know they're not really building a scheme around you know using things to set up the run it just sort of it's very pass heavy and, and it's not effective when they need it to be particularly late in games yeah, even in that 2019 season, which you spoke of with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I mean, they had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who was a very effective running back. Does does this LSU team not have the a, a good stable of backs, or is more the problem the offensive line? The problem is more along the offensive line. Um, this is a, a group that returned all five starters initially, and then as Kentucky fans will be aware of, lost left tackle Dare Rosenthal, who transferred up there. Right. Um, but still, this was a, an experienced group that they expected improvement from this year because they had all these returning starters come back from last year. But they made a coaching change in the middle of the summer, uh, firing James Craig for cause and uh, hiring Brad Davis away from Arkansas. Um, and the players have said themselves how there's been an adjustment to a new coach with his style and what he wants and how he coaches um, that they would have liked to have had, you know, much sooner than they got it because they really didn't have a chance to work with him one-on-one until the start of preseason camp. So that's been a problem. And then they're, they've had to deal with a whole bunch of injuries. So they haven't really had time to build any cohesion and they're just not getting any push up front whatsoever, which is also goes back to player development over the last few years. Uh, it clearly hasn't been what it needs to be. So what? So tell me. You you mentioned the quarterback uh, Max Johnson. Uh, how has he played to this point? He's played pretty well. Uh, I don't think that anyone blames Max uh, right now. Uh, certainly not. I mean LSU is kind of. I mean you look at it. They're nineteenth in the country in passing offense, averaging three hundred three yards a game. I think Max has thrown for your sixteen or fifteen touchdowns to this point. Uh, uh, sixteen, I think, um, and and hasn't turned the ball over very much. Um, he's been pretty good uh, thus far, really, especially with Keishon Butte. That tandem is really effective. They're just, they put a lot on him initially and tried to redistribute some responsibilities to the line of scrimmage. Um, and, but he just is getting no help um, outside of his receivers. Um, he's having to carry an offense too much by himself, and they need to be more balanced. Okay, let's move over to the defense. Uh, as We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, earlier today, uh, LSU got another piece of bad news. Uh, talk, talk about that. Yeah, Derek Stingley, their All-American, two-time All-American cornerback, uh, projected to be the number three. He's the number three on, you know, on Mel Kuyper's uh, big board uh, for the upcoming draft. I mean, this is an incredible prospect, six interceptions as a freshman, uh, and he is going to be out indefinitely after undergoing uh, surgery on his left foot. Um, he initially injured it during preseason camp and it popped up again about two weeks ago. 
And so he went ahead and had that. And he has said, he said in a statement, Stingley did that he, he wants to try to get back this year, but you know, for the foreseeable future, certainly um, he's out and, and it's hard to see that, if it, you know, without a timetable for his return, um, it doesn't seem super likely that he'll get back this year, even though he might try. And so that's their best player suddenly gone on defense and they've already lost a defensive end to an ACL uh, or excuse me, a knee injury of some kind anyway. Um, uh, and Andre Anthony. And so uh, they, they have to adjust. I mean, major burns of safety is also out this week. Um, and so they're going to be light, you know, a little bit thin in the secondary. They've got some players who are capable back there, but they've got to really dip into their depth um, at this point to make up for those losses. Um, but this defense has been playing better. They're just, they're going to get tested. Uh, especially that here in the upcoming stretch. Yeah, what uh, as you mentioned, it does, it does look like LSU's been uh, better last than last year on defense. Of course, admittedly, that's a pretty low bar. But uh, who, who are a couple of players Kentucky fans can look for on the LSU defense that uh, they need to pay attention to? Yeah, I think it starts with number eighteen, their middle linebacker, Devon Clark. Um, he is one of the top tacklers in the SEC. He's really come on and had a good year. They believed in him a lot as a freshman. Uh, he had a bad year last year, but then again, so did the entire defense. But he's gotten better at open tackling in the open field. <coughs> Excuse me. And really is sort of the heart of that defense. And then along the defensive line is their strongest position group on the, probably the whole team. Um, and some of the best players there, Ali Gay, number 11, defensive end. B.J. Ojolari, number eight, the other defensive end. And then they also have a freshman, uh, number zero, Mason Smith, who's a five-star, the highest-rated player in their class. He's gotten a lot of playing time early. He's uh, sort of a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid, plays a little bit more on the end now after Andre Anthony's injury, and um, is a really effective pass rusher. Those are probably the, the guys to look out for the most. Also, I'd say safety, Jay Warden, and cornerback Eli Ricks. Um, but they're really solid uh, up front um, uh, this year. That's kind of where their strength is. Okay, uh, tell us about the special teams. How have they been on special teams so far? Well, special teams has probably been the biggest highlight for LSU because of kicker Kate York um, is arguably the best kicker in the country, uh, has a huge leg, and every time he goes out there, you pretty much expect him to make it. He's made something like 16 field goals in a row. He's really consistent from 50-plus. Uh, he had, you know, SEC fans might remember his kick through the fog to beat Florida last year. Um, he's really good. Um, and the rest of their special teams units are okay. Um, they had an issue earlier this year where they were losing too many yards on punt returns because they were letting the ball drop. Uh, they've kind of cleaned that up since. But York just elevates everything that they do on special teams because of how much of an asset he is there. If somehow this game gets to a situation where he needs to kick a game-winning field goal, uh, LSU feels pretty confident in his ability to do that. I have to ask you about Coach O. Obviously, when the Ed Orgeron won the national championship, as we talked about in 2019, as you mentioned, they're eight and seven since then, six and six in the SEC. Uh, I don't believe they'd lost at home to Auburn since 1999. They uh, are up 19-10 going into the fourth quarter uh, last Saturday. End up losing 24 to 19. Just how much pressure is there on Coach O going into this game? And is it inconceivable that he could be let go after winning the championship just two years ago? It's not inconceivable. We've seen that <laughs> done before. I don't think it's a perfect comparison to compare him to Gene Chizik like some people like to do just because Ed's had more success out of just the 19, 2019 season, whereas Gene Chizik really didn't have much success at all outside of the year he had Cam Newton. Um, you know, LSU was pretty solid in, in 2018 as well, but yeah, there's certainly a lot of pressure on him to turn this thing around and turn around fast. And um, it's not inconceivable because their schedule coming up, starting with Kentucky, is just, it's difficult. They got to play, you know, they played a top 
25 team in Auburn this past weekend. And then they've got, you know, Kentucky number 16, Florida's ranked, um, then Ole Miss, which is ranked. And then you haven't even gotten to Alabama at that point. Um, so LSU's probably not going to be favored in a lot of these games. And while it might be able to win some of them, um, it's hard to see them winning enough games to really show that the program is headed in the right direction. So it's certainly not something that's inconceivable and kind of the big thing that everybody's looking for down here is if that's going to happen. So what does LSU have to do Saturday night to, to make uh, Coach Orgeron's seat a little less hot? <laughs> what do they have to do to get the win in Lexington? They've got to start by figuring out some of those offensive issues that we talked about earlier. Um, just being more uh, in sync on the offensive side, committed to running the ball and having success doing so. You know, LSU's averaging something around maybe even less than three yards a carry this year. I think it's like 2.9. They need to run the ball a little more consistently. That might be more, you know, can, tough to do against Kentucky, but they need to start with that and, and having balance on the offensive side. Uh, Kentucky, you know, the one weakness is sort of that turnover margin is so surprising being minus nine. So if LSU can force a couple turnovers and then capitalize on that, that would be huge uh, to help go and win on the road. But <laughs> they just need to win however they possibly can, even if it is ugly and disgusting and gross. They need to just come out of there with a win, whatever that includes. But mostly in order to do that, it's fixing all those issues that they've got uh, in order to get to that point. Well, it should be a definitely an interesting matchup. It's uh, already a sellout uh, at Kroger Field for Saturday night. It was a great atmosphere last week when Kentucky played Florida. I expect it to be the same on Saturday with uh, Kentucky and LSU. Wilson, tell the listeners uh, where they can follow you uh, online and check out your work. Yeah, certainly. On Twitter, I'm at WH Alexander. Sometimes people read it as Whale Xander. I'm not, <laughs> it's not a whale thing. It's just my middle name. Um, and then, of course, theadvocate.com um, slash nola.com are our websites. And, and if you're interested in any LSU coverage, uh, you can find us there. Well, be sure and check it out. They do a great job at The Advocate covering all of LSU sports, uh, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. They do a great job there. Wilson, we really appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, look forward to a great game on Saturday night. Thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to be up there. Okay, thanks to Wilson Alexander of The Advocate in Baton Rouge. And next up, you'll hear my conversation with Josh Moore of The Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is Josh Moore from the Herald Leader, Kentucky.com. How's it going, Josh? I'm well, John. It's a, it's a, you know, kind of, we're trending toward, trending toward the dreary day here in Lexington, but it's, uh, okay. um, you know, it's football know what, time still. Do we know what it's going to be Saturday? Have we, have you peeked ahead at the weather? Uh, you know, I, I've tried to avoid any you more. Do. 
taking peeks ahead, if only because it <laughs> seems like, I mean, there's days, there's been so many days recently where I've looked at the weather app and it'll say, oh, 100% chance of rain and there's not a drop that falls out of the sky that whole day. Uh, you know, like three days later, you know, when it's like kind of projected three days later. And I know this stuff changes, but it's like, I mean, it looks, so it looks right now it's saying 77 and as the high on Saturday, 57 low. So it, at least for what it's promising now, it should be similar to Florida, which would be great. I think right. that would be awesome. Yeah. So and another, bring that on. And another sellout uh, on Saturday. I think, haven't they already announced that it's a sellout? Yeah, I think Monday, Monday night, but at least the first person I heard say it was Tom Leach uh, on Mark Stoops uh, at the top of the, his weekly radio show mentioned it there. And I think they put out a release. Uh, I haven't heard. Is there a another like a blackout or something? I heard somebody. I've I heard some people saying something about that, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anything either, uh, but uh have to keep a lookout for that. There might be something here kind of pop up here where they try to organize had the whiteout last uh, last week how, how did you think did the fans successfully carry out the blue white whiteout you know what i was uh i was dismissive of that and i would <laughs> I, i'm um well, not so much dismissive except you know other than you know just more skeptical is probably right. the right the better word I, I just did not think uh people would actually do it yeah and, and they and you know to their credit i think for the most part it, it went pretty well because yeah. i mean the, the the people there were um adhering to their uh <laughs> the right color it was like supposed to be blue on one side the white on the other the, now the white side there were some issues i think you still had some people uh you know, some blue spotted out through there, but also what was more, uh, they, they should have switched the sides because the orange, there's a lot of orange on that side of the stadium. That's true. Um, you know, that one, yeah, the Florida fans sneaking in there and, um, it kind of, you know, sprinkled in throughout the white. So that kind of looked weird, but I I, I will say the, the students really brought it though. I thought the students, uh, you know, I think they were part of the white section and, um, or most of them were at least, and, and they were um, there. But, you know, right. Um, and and it was something that was kind of cool to see because, I, I, you know, the week before at South Carolina, they were very loud and very raucous uh, and, and there early um, oh. for that game. So it was kind of cool to see the Kentucky students step up and, and match that performance that the kids down at South Carolina had the week before. Obviously, a big win over Florida, uh, beating Florida for the first time, as we've said many, many times, uh, at, in Lexington, first time since 1986. First win over a top 10 team. Florida was ranked 10th since 2010. Now we got LSU coming in here on Saturday night. Uh, I guess the big fear is a letdown uh, after such an emotional win over Florida. Uh, do you think Kentucky will be able to avoid that this Saturday? I think it helps that it's LSU, right? And I, I think you know, as far as the, the letdown aspect, and not to say that that can't happen because that certainly can happen. Florida, I mean, that was – I mean, it, 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 nobody needs me to tell them how big a win that was. That was, you know, one of the biggest, you know, <laughs> moments in program history in a lot of ways. Um but LSU, you know, it's a big, it's a name school. You know, it's not, it's not even, um, you know, it's not Tennessee even because for Kentucky fans, you know, that year when after they lost uh, the Georgia game in 2018, and then they went to Knoxville and laid an egg. Um, 
you know, I think for, for fans, Tennessee is like a big deal because of the history. And But, you know, Tennessee for the last few years has not been really that relevant right. um, nationally. And so for the players, you know, obviously they want to win. But, you know, I think, you know, that letdown in part happens because they just don't care. You know, you just, just mentally don't care about Tennessee that much. You kind of, you know, they're on the side. LSU is a little different. I mean, they're, they're they've dipped since the national championship in 2019, but they are, you know, they still won a national championship in 2019. There's a lot of name recognition there. And there's been guys in the program, including one right now, Dare Rosenthal, who played for LSU. Um and who, who kind of there's 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 sort of this, you know, tangential connection between Kentucky and LSU, um, sort of a you know you know LSU is kind of a feeder system for for Kentucky if you want right. to. Kelvin <laughs> Joseph last year, cornerback from Kentucky who had transferred from LSU. Right now, as you mentioned, Dare Rosenthal uh, this year, who's a uh, starting left tackle for Kentucky. So yeah, and, and yeah. So there there's you know there's they're not going to be surprised when LSU comes in. That's more. That's just the point I'm getting at. That you know, LSU kind of means something as far as a name. So I think in that terms, the letdown will happen. And I think it helps. You know, we, we the, the you know we'll get into this about the offense, but that they continue to you know underwhelm um, this kind of string of games where they've underwhelmed starting. You know, it's really since the Chattanooga game. Um, I think that helps too because you, you have sort of have something internally there to motivate you uh, right. to go out and play well. Yeah. Let, okay. Let's talk about the offense. Kentucky's defense has obviously played very well, especially the last couple of weeks at South Carolina and, and did a tremendous job against Florida on Saturday night, keeping the Gators out of the end zone. But Kentucky's offense has struggled a little bit, especially the last couple of games. What do you think is going on with the offense? It's a few things. I think the, the biggest you know, as far as the passing game goes, um, you know, <laughs> I keep going back to this thing about be, me being on this island about Wandell. And, and, but I mean, I do think about, you know, once you take him away, you got to have some, you got to have some other guys get open and, and figure out, you know, at least have one other guy downfield um, who can, who can kind of create some mismatches and do some things. And that doesn't seem to be happening. I was like sort of a, um, I'm not surprised, I guess, but, but, but you know, it, you know, cause William Cohen, it tends to be pretty candid, uh, offensive coordinator, but he, uh, you know, I don't know. He spoke with the media yesterday, Tuesday evening and, and basically made it sound like, you know, the reason one gets all the targets he does is one, cause he's great. I mean, he just obviously electrifying with the ball in his hands, but also because no one else can get open right. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and there's a, you know, that can be a reasons for that. It's not just on those guys. It's how the coverages are. And, and, and there's things happening up front, maybe that, that different things need to happen. But, um, I think, and with, you know, this last game, Josh Ali goes down and he's, you know, he's absent for part of it. And it looks like he'll be, you know, out for a couple of weeks here, at least this week. Um, I think that creates this situation where you don't really know, you know, other than one you don't really have, any sure thing um, in the passing game. They've worked a lot the last couple of weeks to try to get the running backs uh, more involved. And um, I think that's a place, I, I think that's really an area. There's a, there's a lot of potential for growth personally. Like I, it, it, like a lot of that's the reason a lot of it hasn't worked has been more timing. Um, 
or you know some guys maybe the routes aren't like this it's more of a communication thing it's not so much that the plays aren't there because when you look at the plays they're 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 pretty well executed other than the pass or the 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 how the 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 actual part where the ball gets caught is is um calculated so which is obviously the most important part <laughs> but right. um the design of the plays you know looks pretty strong um so i think that stuff um it, it will be huge what you know going forward here for this team to figure out because i think and because at least those you know there's you know guys like Kabate smoke um you you know that they can move with the ball in their hands you know what they can do um and, you know, Chris Rodriguez, you can get him more touches out of the backfield uh, that aren't just you know, handing the ball off. Um, I think Jatar McClain, they looked like they were trying to do a couple things to get him involved against Florida. And that really, um, I think, you know, with Reds, I, I spoke with, you know, coach, the running backs coach, John Soto for a while. And, and he kind of attributes some of his, um, I won't say poor performance, but he, he just didn't get anything really going the, the few times he had some opportunities on Saturday. Uh, mostly to just trying to get back up to game speed, and he, he's pretty. Um, I think he seems pretty high on what he might be able to bring coming going forward. So I think getting those guys more involved in the passing game, going back, um, really trying to feed the ball more. I think the Isaiah Cummins will be big. I, I could see that being a big um, point of emphasis this week too, because he's he's probably. I mean, after after Wondell, um, he's probably the the most exciting guy you know, at least potential wise down, you know, as far as a receiving target goes. Um, right. And, and, or, you know, apps, I guess has done some things, but, but, you know, even he's been kind of, you know, absent, <laughs> you know, as far as the last few weeks. So um, we'll see what they, they come up with. I, I certainly, um, the one thing I would like to see with Ali out, you know, it was, I mean, hopefully a young guy kind of steps into that spot and, just owns it, right? You know, that would be the ideal situation is for some one of these um, young receivers that we haven't seen a lot from to just go in, um, play Saturday and just kind of wow people um, and, and do some stuff just with his raw talent. I think that would be, you know, that would be something fun to see too. Yeah, and uh, uh, but I mean that's you know it's tough tough ask in the SEC for a freshman receiver unless you unless you've got you know just really uh, a lot of special traits to be able to pull that off. Part of it that also comes back to Will Levis and you know um, being more accurate with the ball. When we talked to Will yesterday, he talked about footwork that he needed to improve his footwork stuff. He said he had worked on last week going into the Florida game, but it didn't carry over to the Florida game. Also, there was some talk yesterday when we talked to Liam about the quarterback being able to throw guys open uh of course that's probably easier said than done when you're going <laughs> up against sec defenses but uh it also feels like that the you know these guys these coordinators around the league especially the sec you know they're making a bunch of money and they're not and you know there's a good reason why they're making a bunch of money because they're pretty smart and they know what they're doing seems to me like they've tried to take away the deep ball from will because he's a good deep ball thrower make him throw those shorter and intermediate throws you combine that with the fact as you mentioned that the receivers are having a hard time getting open uh you know that's that's kind of led to where they're not very effective in the passing game and have had to go back of relying on the uh on the run game, but uh, uh, what about Levis's play at this point? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know what to make of Will Levis. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean he's he's the best quarterback that this. You know, he is the should be the starter. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy or anything, but 
Um, it's, I do find it, um, you know, one, I, I like that he's so open about how, you know, his, his, um, limitations or, or the reasons why things aren't going the way that they want them to. Um, cause he, like you said, he, he brought up a lot. He talked a lot about his footwork yesterday and how the things he's doing in practice just aren't happening in games. Like he, he just straight up said that, um, and, and it, and put it on him as far as the, so it like with the footwork, his timing, like he's speeding up in games and it's leading to, um, some of those passes coming out, you know, faster than they need to, or, or they're coming out harder than they need to. Um, so that's a positive. You hear a guy say that and think, Oh, that's, that's, you know, it's, it's good self-awareness. Um, but you're also talking about a guy who is in his fourth year college football who's saying this, um, right. and, and maybe that's just who he is. Um, and, and so, I think, you know, again, I think the, the, the timing, getting that down, the stuff behind the line of scrimmage is just huge because that, that would just, you know, because right now he is sort of a one-trick pony. Uh, well, well, I won't say one-trick because he can run too. And, and maybe that's the key. Maybe that's part of, you know, making this um, thing work a little bit better this year is just getting more design runs for, for Will. I know he's not um, – He's not the accelerator that some of these guys are in the league, um, like like Emory Jones or like Richardson. My goodness, I was so mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was very confused what Dan Mullen was doing, like how they used their quarterbacks. Like I, it, it didn't seem like there was a whole uh, um, like a real method to the madness there. Right. Um, but I was very impressed by the Richardson kids' acceleration. Just like I mean, for for the guy that big, uh, Levis isn't that you know doesn't have that fast at a start but um he's certainly proven to be a, a really effective runner and that was obviously the the mo on him coming from penn state um the accuracy I, I, I you know it's when you say accuracy you know my first thing when i think when you say accuracy issues it's um you know it's just I, the first thing that comes to mind for me is you're just missing guys i don't you know it's not so much that with levis it's just the you know the timing or the, 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 like the, the, the it's just right. too hard. It's, it's not right. so much that he can't get the ball in the right vicinity. Um, right. And, 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 you know, I think that's, you know, something they definitely have to sort out, but I don't know, you know, when you're four years into your college career that this just isn't who he is. And you just kind of have to live with the, uh, you know, live with the <laughs> results. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, what do you think Kentucky has to do Saturday night to beat LSU? And like you say, LSU, they're three and two this year, but they're still LSU. They've got a, you know, they got a lot of talent on that roster, a lot of athletes. They just, they look to me like a team that just hasn't figured it out yet. There's a lot of, a lot of pressure on Coach O and Ed Orgeron coming into this game. Uh, already talk about him being on the hot seat, even, you know, who might replace him. And the guy won a national championship just two years ago. Uh, what does Kentucky have to do to uh, add to Coach O's misery? <laughs> what do they have to do on Saturday night to beat LSU, you think? I, I was getting ready to say, wait, what if, if if Mark Stoops were to win a championship, in Kentucky? Do you think he could go zero and twelve the next ten years yes. and still have his job? <laughs> like, I mean, like <laughs> he could go longer than two years. Let's put it that way. Then the the, the, uh, um, the shelf life Coach O has had with his national championship, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think he'd be they'd still be doing parades. I think a couple of years <laughs> down the road if they won the national championship. But go ahead. Um, I, I mean, I think the biggest, 
Cade, you know, at least if we look, you know, regardless of what the offense does, because I think the offense, um, uh, and that's uh, to me a wild card at this point, like what it will do. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they came out on Saturday um, and and put up 450 yards and and scored 35 points. I, I won't. I wouldn't necessarily say that I would be surprised because um, we've seen them do it. But um, you know, LSU's got some really good defensive backs. So even though one of them you know may not be playing the best guy, right. Stingley, right? But but they've still got a lot of talent back there. So so you know. You don't go in expecting that, but what you can expect, I think, at this point, is for the defense to 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 show up and keep stopping the run, and that would be um, incredibly helpful against a team that you know to this point has, you know, shown no ability to run the ball really uh, in LSU. Um, they're the second worst in the conference as far as you know rushing yards per game. They're um, you're just ahead of uh, ahead of Mississippi State. They're like seventy yards or something. Um, so, so you, you like that if you're a team in Kentucky, that's been really good at, you know, against the run so far and just, you know, held the best rushing offense outside of the academies, um, in the country to like half of its normal total. Um, you, you, I think that's something you feel pretty good about being able to continue doing if you're the Kentucky defense and that will open up, you know, some chances there for some of those guys in the secondary who keep getting tested, your Carrick and Valentines, um, your, your Thai Asians, these guys that um, keep getting thrown at um, to, to make plays against some of the, you know, some really good receivers. Um, I think it's Boutte, <laughs> Booty. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Boutte. It is. Um, <laughs> the, you know, he, he's the second leading receiver behind Wondell. Uh, in the in the conference, so so you got so that's a fun matchup to watch, right? Like you you what these, um, um, and again going back to the motivator thing, I think that you know if you're a guy like Wondell who is definitely going to get the ball, um, as long as you're not triple covered, um, you know that's something you know mo- you know something to to watch there as far as like what he wants to do to kind of you know out out duel. Um, a good, you know, what should be a good secondary, and um, you know, another guy on the other side of the ball who's who plays his position. Um, so I think, you know, so that's really, I think Kentucky, you know, they've earned the right to be favored in this game, but it's certainly not a, you know, you, you don't. I look at it as a, a toss up. Ultimately, it's certainly um, like if it was in Baton Rouge, I'd be feeling a lot different about it. Um, I think Kentucky's the better team. But they're certainly not um, at a point where they're so much better um, on paper that, that you just dismiss the, the idea of LSU winning. LSU can come in and win this game. And, and sort of you look, and for them, there's, it's like it could be the start of their um, sort of reascension um, after this kind of funky start that they've had. Um, because they, you know, they, they come to Kentucky this week, they host Florida next week, they go to Ole Miss, and then Alabama. So you probably, you know, chalk up Alabama as a loss, uh, and then they host Arkansas after that Alabama game. But you could, you know, it's not crazy to, to see LSU coming here, winning this game, and then winning, you know, winning four of their like, in the next five games. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting here, you know, writing um, – Ed Orgeron's, uh, you know, resignation letter or his fi- firing note, and, um, and and you know, and by the end of November, they're nine and three or eight and four, and maybe you're looking at things a little bit differently. But 
Yeah. But well, I don't know. Maybe in Baton Rouge, you know, nine and three ain't worth anything. Maybe. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's true too. After winning, but yeah, it's a tough stretch. It's a very tough stretch for him. Uh, and like as we mentioned, the LSU fans are not happy. They had not lost at home to Auburn since '99, so they were not happy with that loss uh, on Saturday night. Uh, but it should be another great atmosphere at Kroger Field on Saturday night. It's a 7:30 start on the SEC Network. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, it is a sellout, uh, so get there early, uh, especially if you're in the parking lots where uh, uh, it seems like people more and more are taking up three and four spaces for their tailgates, making it hard for people to find parking spaces so uh either uh, i would encourage people to get there early i know i need to get there earlier than i did last <laughs> last week and i thought i was getting there plenty early but uh so be on the lookout for that as well uh also be on the lookout for josh's coverage all week he'll have his predictions later in the week uh, what else are you working on josh anything else you want to plug while while uh, uh while we have the listeners attention <laughs> yeah i had a I had a story just about the offense in general and some of the things they've been, uh, you know, kind of holding them back and, uh, and kind of also highlighted, you know, Kavase smoke, you know, cause he's sort of a guy, uh, I brought him up uh, once or twice on the pod already, but, um, you know, he, he's a guy that's sort of hovering around in the background as, as, as a potential, like, you know, I think breakout playmaker for this team really. I mean, cause he's, He's he's not getting the ball. He's not running the ball as much as Chris Rodriguez is. But he's he's been the first. It's been interesting. The first few series, um, the last couple games, he's been the the lead back to right. start the game. True. Um, and and they've really tried to get him involved in the passing game. It's just kind of, um, you know, it just hasn't quite you know clicked yet. But I think you know you saw it on that play where Wondell scored <laughs> that block. Uh, that was part right. of the impetus for the piece too, was just that crazy, that, that awesome block he had and the, uh, right. um, and some of the national attention it got. Um, but yeah. And, and, yeah, and going back to the tailgate lot, I got there at two thirty last week. The game started at, at six. <laughs> I got there at two thirty, and, and part, and, and it, it was like navigating a maze. It's, it, right. it, 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 it's, it's unreal. Uh, some of the I like I, I used there was I was behind a uh, a Dodge Ram coming through and I use it as a lead blocker to just get through the <laughs> weaving <laughs> weaving yeah. in between tents. Yeah, so. I, yeah, right. I mean, I, I'm all for tailgating. I think it's great. Obviously, it's a big part of college football, but I do think people need to be a little more considerate uh, in their in their tailgating about how, you know, where they set up and so forth. Uh, I, I will have to thank some nice ladies uh, who are actually Florida fans who uh, helped me squeeze into a spot. I got there about 3.30, uh, and when I say I got there at 3.30, that I probably got into my spot at closer to quarter after four by the time, <laughs> or at least four o'clock by the time I finally was able to find a spot. And uh, these, <laughs> it's funny because they were pointing to the, you know, I have my Toyota Corolla there and they were pointing to the spot. And I said, can I, really, do you think I can squeeze in there? And they were like, we'll help you. We'll help you. And they did. So uh, 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 shout out to those uh, Florida fans for helping me do that. But uh, there were a couple of Kentucky fans there with them. It was kind of a mixed group. But uh, yeah, I would say if you want to 
uh, Saturday night, you better get there early. But like I said, it's a 7.30 kickoff SEC Network. Josh had plenty of coverage. Well, I had plenty of coverage leading up to the game, during the game. Follow Josh on Twitter, Josh Moore HL. Follow him after the game for all of his coverage, uh, all of our coverage, both at Kentucky.com and then print edition of the Herald Leader. And Josh, as always, thanks for being on the podcast. Let's let's go, John. I'm ready. That's uh, thanks for having me. And uh, well, uh, we didn't even we didn't really even talk on this, but uh, bowl eligible. That could be a uh, oh yeah, that that's right. A, that's on the <laughs> how my how times have changed. That's bro. right. That, that, that. Clinch bowl eligibility <laughs> halfway through the season. That would be something too. Yeah. So okay. Well, thanks, Josh. I'll see you on Saturday. Thanks, John. See you. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Wilson Alexander of The Advocate in Baton Rouge. Be sure and check him out online. And my thanks, as always, to friend of the pod, Josh Moore. Be sure and check him out online at Kentucky.com and the print edition of The Arrow Leader as well. want to encourage everybody uh, to check out the Sports Pass, Sports Only digital, digital subscription to Kentucky.com. Go to my Twitter feed. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. At the top of my feed, the pinned tweet tells you all about the Sports Pass subscription. It's $30 for the first year. Click on that. It'll take you you where you need to go to get all of our UK football, basketball, recruiting, high school columns. You get it all. $30 for the first year. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. I appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. And uh, we will have our podcast on Monday uh, reviewing the Kentucky LSU game with Mark Story. So stay on the lookout for that. Again, thanks to my guests, Wilson Alexander and Josh Moore. And thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be talking to you next time on the John Clay Podcast.